So we're going to continue our series on broken, repairing the family. So turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, I watched the messages from Pastor Jack. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think you know this, but it is unbelievable that we had Dr. Jack Hayford for three weeks in a row <laughs> uh, preaching and sharing on worship. Uh, he is like the Apostle Paul of our generation, and God has just used him all over the world for, in worship and, and writing and teaching and preaching, so I'm very, very grateful. And I listened to all three of the messages, and I thought they were incredible. Um, so Ephesians chapter 5, let me just tell you what we're going to talk about. We're, this is a series on the family, but we're going to take two messages and talk about marriage. And this week, the title of the message is Happy Wife, Happy Life. Happy wife, happy life, all right? And, uh, and also, let me greet the NRH campus. I got talking about why I was here and all, but I'm glad to see you guys. Love you. And next week, by the way, I'm going to talk about happy husband, happy home. Amen. <laughs> so, all right. So you men just shut up this week and take it, all right? <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Now, I don't know if you notice, guys, but about three times in there, it says, men, the way you love your wives is the way I love the church. The example, the pattern that we have for loving our wives is the way Christ loved the church. That's the way we love them. And we need to understand that, and we need to lay our lives down for our wives. Now, I want to tell you something, guys. Please, please, please hear me on this. It is true. Happy wife, happy life. Listen carefully to me. If you want joy and happiness in this world, lay your life down for Jesus. And if you're married, lay your life down for your wife. I promise you, if you live your life selfishly, you will not be happy. But if you lay your life down for someone else, for the Lord and for your spouse, you will also be happy. Now, let me just ask you, and this is for the South Lake and the North Richland Hills campus, how many of you are married? Can I see your hands? Okay, how many of you are not married? All right. How many of you are married but wish you weren't? No, 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 no. Okay, all right. For those of you who are not married, don't tune me out today. I promise you, you will hear something from the Lord today. And if you're not married, can I ask you this question? Would you just be bold enough to say this? If you're not married, how many of you that aren't married believe, though, that it is God's will for you to be married someday? Can I see your hand? Okay. So you need to hear this. By the way, I can give you a very simple test as to whether you're called to marriage or celibacy. It's a very simple test. Here's what you do. You look at a person of the opposite sex and then look at a cactus in the desert. And if you notice any differences at all, 
then you're probably called to marriage, not celibacy. But if they look the same to you, maybe you are called to celibacy, okay? When a person says that he or she has a happy marriage, here's what the person's really saying. My needs are being met. That's really what the person's saying. I'm in a happy marriage, why? Because my needs are being met. Because God designed men and women with needs that actually their spouses can meet. And so when a person says, I don't have a happy marriage, he or she is actually saying, my needs aren't being met. So the way that I'm going to help you today, guys, is I'm gonna give you three needs that a woman has that God actually designed you to meet. And many of us didn't know this, but you can meet them, but listen to me very carefully. The only way you can meet these three needs is to lay your life down. That's the only way. That is the overarching principle of everything that we're gonna talk about is if you lay your life down and listen, in these three areas, you have to. So let me just, let me give you the three areas, all right? Here's number one, communication. Men, you have to lay your life down in this area. You have to decide, I'm gonna communicate. Let me just help you right now. When you get married, there is a word you can drop from your vocabulary. It is the word fine. How was your day? Fine, because that will not work. (laughs) Ladies do not want the headlines. They don't want the bottom lines. They want the full story. When Debbie and I got married, I would come home and she would immediately start on me. That's what I thought. Where were you? Where'd you go? Who'd you see? What'd he say? What'd you say? Why did it take so long? I mean, it was just on and on. And here's what I thought. I thought, this is the nosiest human being (laughs) on the planet. Because a guy would have said to me, how was your day? Right? And I would have said, fine. That would have been the end of the conversation. That will not work with her. You know, when I talked about the Bibles and about the different translations and all, we talked about exact equivalency translation, which is a word-for-word translation. And then we talked about a dynamic equivalency translation, which is a thought-for-thought translation. Now, you may be thinking, oh, I know what you're saying is that women like the word-for-word. No, I'm saying they want both. They want word-for-word and what you were thinking at the time you said it. Listen, guys, this is an area we have to lay our lives down because this is a need that a woman has. She needs to communicate. And the way, the reason they need to communicate, this is how they connect with us. And I didn't realize this. I, I, again, it wasn't that Debbie was nosy. It was that she would connect with me. Every night, we talk for about 30 minutes, Debbie and I. When we, we've just gotten into this practice, we turn out the lights, it is our time to talk. How, how was your day? What went on? What did you do? Things like that. And we connect to each other. I heard one guy say, I said, you know, you ought to talk with your wife 30 minutes every day. He said, they'll find me dead in the morning with my brain sucked out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, Debbie and I now talk every day for about 30 minutes, and I like it now. <laughs> I really do. But it is the way, and ladies, please listen to me. Now, uh, okay, guys, remember I told you, fine. Let me talk to the guys again for a moment. Fine doesn't work. When she says, how was your day? All right, let me, just, let me just help you, all right? Here, you respond something like this. At 6.32, my eyes opened. I had a little headache. I think it was because of the pollen in the air. And I was a little, I was feeling a little stressed about the meetings that I had that day. Okay, listen to me. You just got a lot of points because you used the word feeling. 
women love the word feeling. They fall in love with you when you say how you were feeling. And, and guys, for a while, you'll just have to make up things. <laughs> because ladies, listen to me. When, when you say to your husband, how did you feel about that? And, and, and he says, I don't know. <laughs> listen to me. We're not lying. We don't know. I have a friend of mine, been married for 25 years, and he was selling his company after 20 years. And he, she said, how do you feel about selling your company? You know what he said? I don't know. I, I don't. He, she said, are you upset? He said, no. You know what she said? Yes, you are. <laughs> he told me, he said, you know what? The more I thought about it, I am. <laughs> but that's not the way we think. Here's the reason why, ladies, please hear me. Men come from the factory emotionally unassembled. We have all the wires, but they're not connected. That's your job. That's why you were put on this earth. You connect. Here's what a woman does. She'll say, um, now your father didn't come to the championship baseball game? And, and the, the guy will say, no. He said, no emotion. He has no emotion. No. Okay. And the other fathers were at the game? Yeah. Still, he has no emotion. Here's what she's actually doing. She's taking the experience, the wire experience, and she's moving it closer to the feeling. And the guy doesn't even know she's doing it. And you hit the championship home run, and your dad wasn't there to see it? No. And, and, but the other father, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, oh, what was that? She says, now that was a feeling. Pretty soon, you'll cry during movies. That is your job, ladies. It's been amazing to me as you counsel with couples to, to watch the emotions of the two. You, you know, the man comes in, woman comes in, and you say to the woman, um, now, how are you feeling about this session that we we're having here? Here's what she'll do. She hasn't said a word. She's already crying. We have Kleenexes there. They're for the women to cry and men to blow their nose. That's the only reason a man's ever used a Kleenex in a pastor's office. And then you say to the man, now I've had things almost like this. You say to the man, you say, well, t tell me about your childhood. Well, uh, after I was born, my uh, parents threw me out the hospital window because they didn't want kids. And you just, no emotion. You say, your parents threw you out the window? Yeah, and I, I was found by a pack of wild dogs and they raised me. <laughs> he has no emotion when he's telling you this story. And so he said, well, did, did that hurt you? Oh, no, I was fine. It was only on the first floor of the hospital. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about the hospital. I'm falling out of the, I'm, I'm talking about that your parents abandoned you. Did, did that hurt you? No, I, I like the dogs. There's this one dog named Harry. Boy, the stories I could tell you about me and Harry. No, no, I, let's not talk about the dogs for a minute. See, that, that's just the way men are. Ladies, listen to me. That's your job. But men, I'm telling you, if you'll start talking, you'll get wired up. Now, here's the good thing. Once you learn to connect with a woman, and by the way, that's, that's really why God put them in our lives. Once you learn to connect with a woman, listen to me carefully, you can really connect with God. My relationship has gone so much deeper with God because I know how to connect now. And I didn't know how to connect before. And you, you got to... 
please hear me. And if you're, if you're single, please understand. I don't want you to feel condemned at all. I want you to know something. When God put a, a mirror of himself on this earth, it was a marriage. You need to understand. God said, I want to put my image on the earth. And he put a husband and a wife. Do you understand that the only thing God created that wasn't good was man without a woman? You ever thought about that? He created the sun. He said, that's good. Stars, that's good. Trees, that's good. Animals, that's good. He creates a man and he says, uh, that's not good. Literally, he said, it is not good for a man to be alone. That's the only thing he said that wasn't good. Now, I don't know if Adam was running around in the garden with scissors or what, but, you know, <laughs> God just kind of went, uh, that, that's not good. No, that's not good. So he puts a woman there. Men, I'm telling you, if you'll lay your life down, you're meeting a need, you'll have a happy wife. You'll also have a happy life because it'll change your life. Let me just say something here. Affairs are never justified. Affairs are no, never justified. But do you know why men and women have affairs? Men have affairs, and we're going to talk about happy husband next week. Men have affairs because a woman will honor him and give him sex. That's really the reason. Women have affairs because a man will listen to her and connect with her. That's why. And by the way, women, they'll pretend to listen to you to get sex, just to let you know. Don't be fooled. All right, so number one is communication. Here's number two, leadership. Leadership. Number one complaint in marriage counseling is my husband won't lead. Now, when we talk about leadership, by the way, we're not talking about domination. No person wants to be dominated. No person, male or female, doesn't matter. No one wants to be dominated. And domination is never right. Do you know the most destructive Homes, this is according to secular and spiritual studies. The most destructive homes is when there was a dominant parent in the homes, in the home, whether it's a dominant male or dominant female. Doesn't matter. God never, never, domination is never right. Let me give you a word for leadership, not domination, initiation. That's all leadership is it is initiation, it's simply initiating. That's the way God does with us. God initiates. You'll be driving down the road. You'll be in worship. You'll be in your quiet time. God speaks something to you. He's initiating leadership. Now think about this. We are supposed to lead our wives the way Christ leads the church. Okay, can you imagine, guys, if you went to the Lord for leadership and he led you the way you lead her? If he was dominating and he put you down, and he made fun of you, and he criticized you, and he was always, always critical and complaining. Would you want a leader like that? Or what if he was an absent leader? What if you went to him and said, God, um, what, what, what do you think about this? And he said, I don't know. Uh, Lord, should I, should I take this job transfer? Beats me. Uh, Lord, what, how should I raise my children through this time of their lives? I don't know. You talk about children problems. I got children's problems. <laughs> That's not God. No, God gives us leadership. That's all a woman wants. She wants us to take leadership in the home. Not domination, but leadership. God designed it that way. This is all under point two leadership, but I'll give you three ways that every woman wants to be led. Number one, spiritual matters. She wants the husband to take the lead in spiritual matters. I can't tell you how many times I've heard women say, if I didn't, if I didn't uh, lead to go to church in life group, he wouldn't go. If I don't say something about it, we're not going. She just wants you to step up and lead. Here, here's another way you can lead in spiritual matters. Pray. Lead prayer in the home. Uh, I used to not pray with Debbie. 
I, I, I hate to admit that, but I didn't pray. You wanna know why? I was embarrassed. And uh, I, I knew I, w- I couldn't pray as well as she could. She just, she seemed to have this connection with God. I can get up and speak, but when it came to prayer, it was very personal and private with me, and I fumbled over my words, and she was just great at prayer because she did it a lot. So I didn't want to pray with her because she was an expert at it. But I'm telling you, one of the best things we've ever done is pray together. Here's the second area that uh, a woman wants leadership, the children. She wants leadership when it comes to the children. She wants you to take the initiative when it comes to the children's schooling, children's activities, uh, what they should be involved in, what they should not be involved in, their friends, their relationships, discipline. Let me tell you, if the woman is the leader in discipline, it's not good for the children. Not that she shouldn't discipline, but the man should always be the leader in the area of discipline. And here's the third area she wants to take leadership in, romance. She does not want to have to remind you of her birthday. By the way, romance is meeting a need before it's spoken. That's how simple it is. There's a lot of things that are simple we think complicated. Romance is meeting a need before it's spoken. When Debbie and I go somewhere, and um, uh, she says, you see that end table there? I like that end table. Here's what I do. I say, hmm. And the next morning, that end table shows up on, on our porch with a bow on it. That's a good night in the Morris house. <laughs> that's, that's romantic to her. All she's got to do is just say, you know, I, I might like that. Now, let me say something here, okay? In order to be romantic... Guys, you have to be a good money manager. Now, listen to me very carefully. Now, I'm going to talk to the ladies for a moment. You need to sit down together, men and women, and you need to come up with a budget. And the budget should make the financial decisions in your home, not you. Let me tell you what's good about that, because financial decisions are not emotional decisions. When you make them emotional decisions, you're in trouble. Financial decisions are math decisions. If you can afford this house, I've even had people say, you think we should buy this house or not? Okay, hold on a minute. Can you afford that house? Can you afford that car? I mean, it's it's real simple. You don't even need to pray about it if it's not in your budget. So you just put it in your budget. And I shared this a long time ago. Guys, this will help you. But I shared this a long time ago. And so some of you've heard it. Some of you've even read it in a book or, or heard it on a CD. But if you haven't heard it or if you have, you need to hear it again. Let me just tell you what to do. Guys, I'm gonna give you a little secret here, okay? This is the way, you happy wife. This is just how you do it. You have a budget and you live on that budget. And when she comes to you and she starts batting those eyes, saying, can, I, can we have new furniture? You know, Jim and Mary bought new furniture. Can we have new furniture? Here's what you say, guys. This will help you. Here's what you say. You say, of course. I would love to buy you new furniture. But let's see what Mr. Budget says. Oh, Mr. Budget say no. Oh, I'm so sorry. I would buy you new furniture. Mr. Budget, he say no. Here, come. come let daddy hold you. Come here. See, you're the good guy. Mr. Budget's a bad guy. When I preached that years ago, I've had so many ladies over the years tell me, I hate Mr. Budget. <clears throat> they want us to lead. And here's the third area, security. This, by the way, is the number one need of a woman. It's her number one need, is security. When you're talking with a woman, listen to me very carefully. When you're talking with your wife, if you talk in insecure terms, she can't hear you. You have to hear this. She can't hear you. If you say anything that will make her feel insecure in your relationship, all of a sudden, she's totally blocked off. She can't hear. Next week, I'm going to talk about a man's number one need, and then if you talk to him in a, in, in a dishonoring way, he can't hear you. 
He can't hear you. He, he literally, his, ear, his ears stop up and his eyes glaze over. Same thing with a woman. Men, it's always in a secure fashion. I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna, I, I'll be there. When you wake up in the morning, I'll be here. I'm gonna lay my life down for you. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to take care of you. And we talked a little about, about the financial. Debbie and I got married 30 years ago. I was 18 years old, by the way, when we got married. In 30 years, we've never missed a payment. Not one. I've never even been late. I remember every time we've gone to get a mortgage on a home, they call your credit report up, and it has uh, three columns over here, 30, 60, and 90. Every time you were 30, and 30 days late, how many times you were 60 days late or 90 days late, and every time we've ever had a report, there's zeros in all those columns. I've never been 30 days late on payment. You want to know why? It's my responsibility. Then we'll take care of it. And she knows that. I even said to her one time, have you ever, ever had a financial worry in our life, even when we've been tight. Have you ever worried about our finances? She said, I've never worried one time. You wanna know why? Because she has a hardworking, faithful, dependable, good-looking husband. <laughs> I just felt like that fit in that list. We're supposed to lay our lives down for our wives. Can, can I tell you something in this area as well? As a pastor, I am concerned about this next generation. I am very concerned. And one of the things I'm concerned about is that kids are getting married later and later. Now, if you're, if you're you know, late 20s, already 30s, you're not married, don't, 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 don't hear this in a condemning way, but I want you to listen to see if there's any of these things that fit you. There are three reasons why I think kids are getting married later, and it really bothers me. Number one is fear. I think there is a fear in this next generation, a fear of failure when it comes to marriage. And why not? Marriage is, uh, divorce rate's 50%. It's over 50%. But can I tell you something? You do it according to this book, it's 100%, if both of you do it. If you've been through a divorce, please do not feel condemnation because I understand, but I guarantee you, in every divorce, there's at least one person that didn't live by this word. There's at least one. But God gives us the key to live right. So I don't want this next generation living by fear. I want you living by faith. But I'll tell you the second reason that, that uh, people are getting married later, selfishness. They don't wanna lay their lives down. They want to do what they want to do. They want to have their friends. They want to go when they want to. They don't want to lay their lives down. And here's the third reason I think some of our kids are getting married later. Immaturity. We have a whole lot of 25 and 30-year-old boys, not men, because the difference between a boy and a man is a man can take care of a family. Is this all right if I talk to you this way? Of course it is. I'm your pastor. <laughs> I'm telling you. We, we got some, some boys that are 25 and 30 years old that are content to have enough money for pizza and video games. And I'm sick of it because we got a whole bunch of godly young ladies in our church that ought to be getting married. <laughs> Y'all all right? <laughs> Grow up. Get a job. Provide for your family. And listen, guys, let me take the pressure off of you. You don't have to be a provider. God's the provider. You have to be a hard worker. You have to be a hard worker and you have to be a good steward. Let me just ask some of the young men, are you ready to get married? My son, when he got married, he had money in the bank and he bought her a four carat diamond ring. Still had money in the bank. You wanna know why? Because he started when he was young saving because he knew one day I'm gonna be paying the bills. Both of my, both of my boys live below their means and have big savings accounts and give generously both of them, because it's their responsibility. 
So I'm, I'm just saying to you guys now, financially, I think you need to be prepared if you're not married. Here's the second thing, a way a, person, a woman needs security, emotional security. Let me tell you the emotional security that Jesus provides for us that every man should provide for every woman. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm constant. I'm faithful. I'll always be here. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I love you, and I'm going to lay my life down for you. It's called emotional security. Do, do you know why we love Jesus? I want you to just think about this. Maybe you've never thought about this. Do you know why every one of us love Jesus? It's not because he sits in, an, in a recliner in heaven and barks orders. It's because he left heaven and laid his life down for us. That's why we love him. Can I tell you something, men? You know what will cause your wife to fall in love with you and honor you, and that's your biggest need? Not that you sit in a recliner and bark orders, but that you get out of that recliner and you lay your life down for her. And I promise you guys, 30 years of marriage talking now. Happy wife, happy life. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to do something that we do just about every week. I want every one of us, whether it's first time here or you've been here a long time or you're a leader in the church, male or female, married or single, I want every one of you to do this right here, just not out loud, just in your heart right now. I want you to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Just ask him. Everyone, every, all of us, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? We want to pray for you. Whether you're at the South Lake campus or the North Richland Hills campus, we want to pray for you. If you're going through a difficulty right now, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your life, Maybe your health, maybe your finances. Maybe you, you've lost your job and this is a very difficult time. Maybe your business is going through a tough time with this economy. We want to pray for you. Prayer works. Prayer works. So if you're here and you're going through a difficult time in any area of your life, we want to pray for you, whether you're at the South Lake or the North Richland Hills campus. Here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, we'll stand. When we stand, we're going to have leaders here at the front. And when we stand up at both campuses, you just stand up, step out and come one of the leaders here at the front, let us pray for you. Maybe you need to give your life to God. Maybe you need to give your life back to God. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, when we stand up, you just stand up, step out and come and let us pray for you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person, no matter which campus they're attending, every person that has any prayer need in Jesus' name, amen.